Hi, I'm Kristen, and this is the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast, where I talk about living a creative, intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, sometimes knitting, what I'm reading and watching, and a little bit about keeping a cozy, organized home. I've got my cup of tea in hand, so let's settle in for a chat. This is episode 53. Welcome. Welcome. I'm so happy to be here. I've been looking forward to recording all week. I record in my head or I I talk to you guys in my head. (laughs) I want you to know that you were always on my mind. I am sitting here in my new recording space, which is not in the master bedroom closet. And it is so much cooler out here. It makes me so happy. Um, I'm sitting here with my green tea. Um, I talked about this tea a few podcasts ago. It's from Positively Tea Company. And it is the, uh, it's called, oh, no, I forgot, Pinhead Gunpowder, which like, what the heck does that even mean? But it's very good. I'm actually drinking it iced, which I don't normally do. But did you know that green tea has a lot of superfood attributes? And it's it's very good for you. And so I've been drinking a lot of it lately. And um, it's frankly too hot right now to be drinking hot tea. So I tried it iced and all the ice is actually gone, but it's quite delicious. So um, I talked about this before when you, I, I just, I'll put a link in the show notes, but um, I buy it on Amazon. And at first I thought it was really expensive tea. A lot of people who make kombucha use this, but I think they really do because it's actually very well priced. It's organic, like fair trade, but it comes in like a one pound bag which is about $15, which is a very good price for tea if you know you're going to drink it. And so, um, and I do, I've been loving it. Although I don't use it for kombucha anymore, I've decided that I like to brew my kombucha with all black tea. So I use the Harvey, uh, the Harney and Sons, um, what's it called? Just English breakfast tea is perfect for that. So anyways, enjoying that. So how's it going? I think that we are five months into lockdown mode. Yes, I think I, I counted it up and I think I'm not 100% sure when California locked down, but um, kind of mid uh, March and it's now the beginning of August 2020 and it's been like 20 weeks. <laughs> it is just what life is now, right? Just ugh, crazy. We're going on six months here. Um, and I think I talked last time about, uh, so, you know, everyone's home. Um, we thought uh, my senior in high school was going to go back a little bit in a blended learning model, but it's um, it's back to being online. He did, however, go get his um, his senior portraits taken. Um, now we just it was like an indoor studio kind of setting for just the yearbook. We actually it's kind of my way with this is my third child that we do that for the yearbook. I frankly don't even usually buy them um, because I just don't really feel like you know. They look like they represent the kids. So I have this other photographer and we do an outside photo shoot for more like the um, the official photos that go on the announcement and things like that. So this is just the yearbook one. And I got to say, I mean, I think this is the way life is right now. Um, they figured out a way to make it work so that people felt, you know, really comfortable. You drive up and you hang out in the parking lot till they call you in. They take your temperature. You do, you know, you sign all the screening things. And they actually asked that I come, because when I called and made the appointment, I said, I assume you want him to just go by himself. And they're like, actually, we would like someone to come with him because they don't want to touch your student. 
<laughs> so you help them, you know, like in this case with the bow tie and getting everything all straightened up. And, and then I was even, they have these very large studios and I was able to stay spaced from the photographer and he's over there, um, Ben getting his picture taken. And if things needed to be adjusted, she would ask that I would do it. And so that was really kind of fun. And I, I saw exactly all the pictures that would come up on a computer. So it was, um, I just thought they did a really good job. There's hand sanitizer everywhere. And so we were in and out in less than 15 minutes. So I think it was, um, I just think that's what life is going to be like. And um, as much as we are staying home, when there's things you have to do out there, I like it when people are taking the the appropriate precautions. Um, and if nothing else, it just, it kind of made one day of the week a little bit different because right now, I mean, I work, so, um, you know, the weekdays are one thing and the weekends are another thing, but man, I was just really kind of missing how, you know, days used to seem a little bit more different. We are really into quite, we are all very routine oriented in my house anyways, but we are just in some serious ruts. And I also decided that this is going to, we're going to be in this for the long haul and I needed to do some socializing. So I was able to get out of the house and one afternoon and I went and visited my friend Minky and, you know, I came in on the side gate, we sat outside, we were distanced, you know, all those kinds of things. I always feel like you have to explain all that every time you say I saw somebody. Um, but it was, oh my gosh, it was so fun. And it was just, you know, again, just what my, my soul needed. And she spoiled me. She spoiled me. First of all, she makes the best um, coffee. She has a, an espresso maker. So normally um, it would be like a cappuccino, but it's summer, it's hot. So she she's, makes the only iced coffee that I really like. I don't know what her magic touches, but it's amazing. And then she like just gave me all these fun little things, like a little um, a pin cushion that's got this cute little frying pan with an egg motif on it from her book, a Zaka Wool Applique, and a little coin purse. And... Um, most importantly, she gave me a mask, which kind of made me tear up a little bit. I'm like, no one's ever given me a mask. Like I make masks for people and I bow at the feet of Minky, the mask maker. Oh my gosh. Well, so when I did my how to hand sew a face mask tutorial that's on YouTube and has an absurd number of views for me, maybe not for a lot of other people, it's going on 200,000. Um, I used her contoured mask template because I didn't want one that had pleats um, because that's hard to hand sew through. I mean, I'm sure all those women who were hand sewing dresses with pleats back in the day, I'm sure they were fine at it. But so I like the more contoured type. And um, so she's, I think, even kind of perfected the fit of that mask. But here's what she has done. She has been using um, t-shirt fabric that is like from her little girl's t-shirt. So she's got three girls. And I'm assuming at some point some of these t-shirts wear out. And But they're not like, you know, like a Hanes hefty tee. They are little girl t-shirt fabric, so they are soft. And so she lines it with that. So it just feels like it's like just kissing your face. And then she used um, some other kind of very soft fabric. Um, like it's a lawn She's, I'm like, what, what fabric is this? It was beautiful. And she's like, I don't know. I've just had it forever. And um, so it's, you know, lawn fabric, like Liberty, if you've ever used that, or a lot of um, art gallery is lawn, art gallery fabrics, so soft. And then she makes the, she made ear loops. I like ear loops, even though I struggle to frankly get them small enough. Um, but she makes them again out of that super soft t-shirt fabric. 
And she says she just makes it so it fits her. And then like, you just got to deal with it from there. But you know, t-shirt fabric is stretchy, right? Because she's a small woman. But this is my best fitting mask. I love it so much. And she purposely kind of made it a little bit more lightweight because it's summer. Um, but I did the um, can I blow out a candle test with it and I cannot blow out a candle so it is plenty thick even with t-shirt fabric and lawn it is you know it's got it's got enough protection and um, so anyways it is just it fits me like a glove I will I, I took a picture of myself in, in my car and sent it to her and like best mask ever so I will um, I will put that in the show notes for fun. I also put, um, she gave one also, well, I said to her, oh, that my daughter Chloe was going to fight me for it. <laughs> and so she gave her one too, which was not a hint, but it was very nice. So we took a picture of, of ourselves on that um, that was on my stories a, a few weeks, or well, I guess a week ago. So anyways, that was super fun. While I'm talking about masks, um, let me talk about something I forgot to last time, which is the Creative Grids mask template that um, Creative Grid sent me. And I sat down one day and I busted out a whole bunch of masks using that template to really see how I liked it. And well, before Minky's mask, the mask that I made with that template was my best fitting mask. I um, The template comes, um, it's just, it's one piece of plastic and uh, again, I'll put a link in the show notes. You can just, you, know, you can get them on Amazon or whatever. Um, but it, it does three sizes, a small, medium, and large. So I did a medium. Um, I would say when I, I posted this on Instagram and a bunch of people kind of chimed in with their little, um, uh, this information about their experience with it. And um, I think it was a Joyfully Tracy that maybe had a, a, a bunch of, um, you know, insight on this. And one of them is it has what they call an optional pleat. I don't think it's really optional. It's a must. You must, otherwise it just kind of gapes by your ear. So you need to put the pleat in and that really helps hold it down. Um, I feel like I, sh I should be a little bit even more aggressive. The pleat lines are about an inch apart and I think I could even be a little more aggressive pleating that down a bit. Um, and she also mentioned that the elastic recommendations were extremely generous and ugh, yeah, like that is the understatement of the year. And that's been my biggest struggle with it is that um, is they're, they're for the faces in our family. <laughs> I keep having to cut those elastics down. And if I was smart, um, I would treat it like it was a garment and sew the elastic on, turn it, you know, baste it on turn it right side out and before I you know zip the whole sew the whole thing up I would try it on um, but I always think no this is going to be fine so I just do the whole thing and then I put it on and it's too big so I've come up with creative ways of just making those elastic smaller but um, on the size large mask which I was doing for all the men in our family um, the the elastic things are huge so like I mean they're saying like I don't know like seven inches or something and in our family seriously I think we need like five and a half inches for it to fit so um it's a it, it makes the cutting very simple um the instructions are good I did watch a video uh, I, I screwed up the how the elastic went in totally my fault but I watched a video which really helped with that so those are really easy to find on YouTube as well um so it's a contoured mask. You do put one pleat on each side to help it fit your face better. And just, you really need to spend a little time figuring out what is the proper size elastic. And I tend to make them, I don't want it to pull on people's ears. So I, I, I 
tend on the loose side and I realize I need to tend on the small side so that it, people feel that it is snugger against their face. So, um, and if, if I'm being completely honest, this is a, it, it fits my face very well. I have not gotten it to fit anybody else's face in my family really well. It tends to, and it might just be the elastic. I'm still tweaking with that. But when they start to talk, it tends to work down their nose. And that's what the pleated masks do to me. But this mask stays perfectly put on my face. <laughs> so I, I, nobody talks about it, but I feel like getting masks to fit is tricky business. Um, and, you know, so I'm wondering, like, people love, like, Old Navy masks. And, I, and I'm just like, how do they fit everybody? I'm so confused by this. And I think basically the elastic is a little smaller than what I'm doing. And um, and so it just, you know, it it stretches. But I, I just, I don't want pressure on people's ears. So that's, you know. So if you have mask tricks, let me know. But I've started a page in my bullet journal for, okay, so this person this is the size mask and this is a size elastic that works and you know I'm kind of keeping notes because now my family's coming to me going okay this is the one that fits me best and I'm just like okay that was in my first round of masks back in March and I don't remember how I made that so we're just kind of trying to figure it out so in general love it fits me really well it does totally speed up the cutting of I just cut all four pieces at the same time um and oh, another thing that Minky came up with, and I want to try it with this, is that, okay, so contoured masks tend to have a seam down the middle, which, you know, you'll get a lot of flack for online, to be honest with you, not really worried about it. But if you, if it's a symmetrical mask, and I haven't tried this with the Creative Grids thing yet, if you place that like on a fold, um, then you don't have a seam right there. So Minky has created some sort of little pattern that that's how her mask that fits really well. It has no seam down the middle. And it's because it's like a, I don't even know, as I'm saying it, it's, it's making less sense. But if you fold it in half, you can just put that on the fold. And um, yeah, it's like magic. This is the time where I say thank you, Fat Quarter Shop, for sponsoring the podcast. Shop at Fat Quarter Shop for all your cross-stitch supplies. They stock DMC, Classic Color Works, Weeks Dye Works, Gentle Arts, NPI Silks, and a variety of cross-stitch cloths. You will also find patterns from the popular designers like Lori Holt, Stitching with the Housewives, It's So Emma, Country Cottage Needleworks, Little House Needleworks, Hands-On Design, Heart and Hand, and much, much more. If you love to build your stash or want to try something new they offer monthly subscriptions for fabric threads and lots of kitted projects also join Kimberly Jolly for a weekly cross stitch update on Wednesdays at 9 a.m central time on the fat quarter shop floss tube which is a YouTube channel I'll put a link in the show notes and as always visit them at fatquartershop.com all right, let's talk quilting. I have things to report. There's so much fun quilting stuff to talk about. First of all, last podcast, I talked about um, me really working through my, I don't know if you would call them whips, works in progress, or UFOs, unfinished objects. They're mostly just unfinished objects. So um, I sent my pineapple quilt and my scrappy, uh, what's it called? Scrappy trip quilt to uh, my long armor friend, Deanna. I'll put a link in the show notes, Deanna Sanzano. 
and she did a fabulous job. So I got those two back and I just started um, binding that pineapple quilt. It is eight years in the making, was super excited um, about finally getting it done, even though I did waffle a bit on the binding, but I got that figured out. And then at a perfect time before I finished up the, the binding, I received some quilt labels that I ordered and I have been talking about, if you've been listening to me for any length of time, you know I talk big and then it takes me forever to do anything. Well, this was one of those things. I have never labeled a quilt in my life. I say with much, much shame, but um, I have become acquainted with Border City Quilts um, and she makes these quilt labels that are like a, a satin tag that would be in clothing. And so um, I ordered some, and I talk, talked about this on several podcasts, I don't know, six months to a year ago. And so it says, homemade, no, not homemade, handmade with love by Kristen Esser. And you got to pick the font and the little design, there's little choices you can make. So um, how big are mine? I don't even know. You know, they're like more than an inch and a half, I'm going to say. And then they're kind of long. You fold them in half and then sew them right um into the seam allowance and then when you bind it just it's just a little flappy thing right there and I, they came just in time and I uh, if you follow me on Instagram I, I did some uh, photos there I'll put another one in the show notes but you know it maybe does not have all the information like the date and the time and the year and the um, you know who it was for and all that kind of stuff but it's semi-recorded and they look really cute. So I was able to get that on the pineapple quilt. I've sewn it onto the um, scrappy trip quilt um, as I was binding that. But last Saturday, like a week ago today, I had a little bit of an incident with a V slicer. If you know what that is, it's kind of like um, a mandolin. It's one of those things where you can really slice a lot of stuff. I was making a cucumber salad and I really got cocky with how fast I was slicing that cucumber and I sliced my index finger on my right hand pretty badly. We discussed going to the ER or um, at least urgent care, but um, which nobody wants to do that right now, right? I didn't end up doing it. Um, and we just cleaned it up, kind of, you know, butterflied it together, and it's been uh, wrapped up pretty well ever since. It's not right now, and it's it's much better. Um, but I had to stop quilting, quilt binding, because um, it was just too much pressure. It's my index finger on my right hand, and I'm right-handed. Right now, I'm squeezing. I'm thinking oh, I might be able to go back now and do some. It's been a full week, um, so that was that. I was on such a roll, so it was a little bit of a, um, you know. It was, I was sad, but it did get me, um, so off the couch hand binding to the sewing machine and I finished up because I could sew with, you know, like a sewing machine was fine. Um, I finished a quilt called a uh, pretty playtime quilt. It's, you know, I've talked about it before. Um, it was a, a blog hop I did with that quarter shop many years ago and, um, it had, it, I didn't do exactly the quilts that's in the book. I, I did various blocks and I had eight blocks. So I made the ninth one and um, finally finished up the sashing and the borders. And I sent it all off with backing all the scraps, binding and everything to a friend who, um, well, to Deanna, the, the long armor, she's going to long arm it. And, um, may it find a lovely home with one of her grandchildren. So like, I'm just like, 
I'm just ready to send that out in the world. I think I talked last time that I took my uh, a charity quilt that I just knew I was never going to finish, and I gave it to a guild charity arm and said, would you please finish this and give it to somebody who is quilt worthy? And so that is one, two, three, four quilts, four quilts in the last, I don't know, month or so that are out either, you know, moved on <laughs> to the next stage with somebody else or finished with me. The scrappy trip is not quite finished, but I have no doubt. I have no problem when I get to the binding. I know that's a lot of people's problems is they live, you know, sometimes people just have a lot of tops that they're never quilted. And then some people really languish at the binding level. Quilts do not language at the binding level for me. So that'll be fine. And so now I'm on to really the last one that's on my radar here, which is <laughs> the Rooftop Wonders quilt, which is a quilt that I'm making for my um, my youngest child who's going to be a senior. And I had a little moment of panic a few months ago of because I've literally been dragging my feet on this. I don't even, I kind of know why, um, but for almost two years, over a year and a half. And it's, it's a solid quilt. It's my first solid quilt and it's done with some strip piecing. And I, I know that I put some things, some color combinations together that I didn't like. So I set it aside and I've just never gotten back to it. And I have such guilt and he's like only going to be home for another year. Like he, and he's still got this quilt that I made him when he was 10. So on his bed. So I need to deal with that. So that is my next one. And, um, it's a lot of strip piecing and sewing, like, like, there's not, I don't think, any real um, intersections that need to line up. So it should just be nice, fun sewing. So I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to get back to that. Um, so that's, yeah, so just I feel like things are moving. Um, so I talked about the quilt labels. Oh, the other thing I want to talk about is um, C&T Publishing. Um, every once in a while sends me a big box of books of like a lot of the stuff that's coming out right now. It's super fun. And I will talk about um, many of these for uh, the upcoming podcasts. And today I actually recorded an Instagram stories. Maybe I don't have any highlights on my Instagram thing. Maybe I will save this in the highlights. Um, don't hold me to that. But I did a little unboxing because I think maybe because of COVID, it's an extra big box. Like they hadn't sent it for a while. Um, and so I you should watch that because there's so much good stuff but i did just want to talk about some of the things i'm excited about diving into do not have reviews because i just got this box yesterday afternoon but one thing is called beneath missouri stars a quilting cozy this is a cozy mystery by carol dean jones have not read it but that is super fun i did not even know that cnt did fiction books so that's exciting um and then this one is called Color, Thread, and Free Motion Quilting by Terry Lucas. Learn to Stitch with Reckless Abandon. And I do know Terry a little bit. She was the uh, technical editor. Minky and I did so illustrated. So I, I know her a little bit. Um, and she is fearless about combining um, colored fabric and colored thread with her free motion quilting. And I am the opposite of fearless. I am fearful. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always want my quilting to sink to the back um, and she is not that way and this book has some amazing examples so that and I'm seeing this all over um, the uh, Instagram right now so you maybe have come up with that it's kind of got a rainbow color 
And another one I'm excited about is by Amanda Murphy. It's called The Ultimate Guide to Ruler Work Quilting. And it's ruler work for both long arms and domestic machines. And this is something that I am a little bit interested in, to be honest with you. Um, I, you know, I mean, I, I tried to get over my fear of free motion quilting. And, you know, I'm okay. Um, I don't have any kind of a setup for it right now with, you know, everybody working from home and going to school from home. That's my big excuse. Um, I do actually just really love sending things to a long armor, to be honest with you. But ruler work might kind of help me get over a little bit of the fear of the free motion stuff. So that's super exciting. Um, oh, I just I should probably stop here, but I'm going to go two more. Um, this one is called Sensational Quilts for Scrap Lovers. This is Judy... Gauthier, I think is how you would say her name. She has written many books for CNT about scrap quilting, but this one I have to say is a real stunner. And there's this quilt in here called Argyle Sweater that is looks amazing. Um, but I would like to use my scraps. I would like to use my stash more. Um, not even my scraps. I mean, I'm willing to cut up stash in the name of a scrap quilt because really I own almost nothing bigger than a fat quarter. So I think that almost counts as a scrap quilt no matter what I do. Um, but a lot of this, the, her scraps seem to be a little bit organized by color. I think for a good scrap quilt, there needs to be a bit of an organizing principle color-wise, other so it just doesn't look like, you know, just chaos. So that's exciting. And then the last thing I wanna talk about, again, didn't even know this was a thing. This is called, um, Happy Quilter Variety Puzzles. It's actually called More Happy Quilter Variety Puzzles. Oh, it's volume three. So here they've had this. I didn't even know. Um, it's by Galen Runge, and um, she works at CNT. I know that. And it's got, um, <laughs> I'm just going to stick this in my little basket word that I take outside on the patio. It's got crosswords, word searches, logic puzzles. I love logic puzzles. Um, what, what's this? kind of one of those things where you figure out how, it's like boggle you try to figure out how many words you can make from an existing word so anyways super fun so those are all things that I'll be talking more about and there's a whole more like four times that that I have to talk about over the next few podcasts so um, I love I love just getting new quilting books because they're so so much fun and last but definitely not least um, is I want to talk about uh, my friend Holly Ann over at String and Story. In a few weeks, she will be opening registration for her Free Motion Quilting Academy. Now, this class only opens a couple times a year, um, and you go through it sort of as a as a cohort. It's a it's a completely online class with a community. Uh, a live community element to it. And man, I have seen so many people go from absolute beginner to stunning whole cloth quilt by the end of class. Now you don't actually have to keep up if you don't want to. The, the, the class is yours to do online forever and ever. Amen. But um, there is really something about doing it along with other people. So um, the doors are not even open for that yet, but I wanted to kind of tell you about it because it is coming up and she's doing something super fun. And I will put a link in the show notes, but she's done one of those quizzes that you can take and it tells you what sort of quilt motif you are. Like six months ago or something, a couple quilters did this, what, what, um, quilt block are you? I remember I was the Lemoyne star, which I've never made, but I was like, okay, that's cool. So I took Holly Ann's quiz and um, my, the quilting motif that best represents me is a feather. <laughs> 
And I don't know, I can't quilt feathers, but I admire them. So I'm kind of okay with that. So it's super fun. You can take the quiz um, and then snapshot your results and like put it in your stories or something um, on Instagram if you want. And that's like super fun. So anyway, so I'm going to be talking about that probably more next podcast. But if you um, have a little extra time in your hands, if this is going to be, you know, we're halfway through 2020, <laughs> what else could happen? Um, and you want to turn it into something good. Maybe you want to like knock free motion quilting off your list of bucket list things. Like someday I'm going to take a class. Someday I'm going to teach myself how to do that. Um, this might be the, the right way for you to do that. So anyways, let's move on to, oh, knitting. Okay. I have to tell you that I've been knitting a sock for like a year and I finally finished it. And I was going to, I had every plan to give this sock away. This, not just the one, actually a whole pair. Um, and I was, I'm going to block it. I still haven't blocked them yet. But as I was just, you know, like after I was done stitching up the, the toe and weaving in the ends, I realized that on one of them, there's a flaw like in the leg of it. Just, you know, just like a little, it, it's just not right. And I was just like, oh, now I can't give this away. And I really struggled with it. Um, I'm like, it's not perfect. And then at some point I just realized, you know what? I'm still going to give it away. I'm still going to give this pair of socks away to a friend because really, you just wear them. You wear them on your feet. They're usually covered with pants. Um, they're usually a little slouchy. So it's not like it's a horrible mistake. And uh, But I really had to get over myself with that. Um, so I'm talking big right now, but when I block it, if I find something else, we'll find, see if I don't just wear them myself. But man, it just took me forever to finish them. So I, I would like to block them and feel good about them and send them. I'm not even sure if I should tell the person, here are your socks. There's a little bit of flaw in it. I hope you don't mind. It's like our friendship. <laughs> I am flawed. It, please accept me. I don't know. So, so that is all I have to say about knitting. And I probably will not be knitting anything in the foreseeable future. It's too hot. It's too hot. Um, but yeah, let's also just talk about books. Um, I've got a couple things to talk about. I'm rereading Atomic Habits. Uh, I talked about that in previous podcasts. And it's one of those things where I feel like you can't really um, absorb everything on the first read. It's a very life-changing book about changing habits. Um, the atomic thing is it's kind of on, on the small level, like on the atomic level, that small changes um, over time, like compound interest, create big changes that if a I, I love this example that if a uh, airplane changes you know its its trajectory by just like one degree it will end up in an entirely different city by the time it gets across the country and that's the true that's true of, of habits as well so I'm working on that I got a new um, audiobook because I do love to have an audiobook going and I'm not done with it, um, but I am enjoying it very much. It's called The Lost Girls of Paris by Pam Genoff. And a while back, I read a book called The Alice Network. And I know at least some of you read because a few people reached out to me because they enjoyed that one. And this is kind of similar. And it's World War II, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's basically about women in the resistance and, um, and how um, effective women in the resistance were because nobody expected anything of them. They could definitely sink into the background and be things like, you know, waitresses and, and things like that. And people didn't, um, and, and uh, people 
would talk and, you know, give up secrets in front of them because they just thought women were important. So um, I'm not, you know, uh, all the way, I'm, I'm not even that far into that one, but I just can tell that I'm going to enjoy that one. So that's called The Lost Girls of Paris. The other thing that I dug out the other day, because I was wanting to feel inspired on whole grain eating, um, was a book called, um, it's a cookbook called The New Laurel's Kitchen Cookbook. And I don't know, do any of you have one of these? I bought this when it was like such an aspirational cookbook, oh, probably in the early 90s, just, you know, when I was just really venturing out on my own and um, trying to figure out how to cook and things like that. And I'm not even sure I've made anything. I may have made one brown bread recipe from this book, which if memory serves, was cooked in like a coffee can. <laughs> <laughs> I remember having to look for a coffee can because, you know, like I wasn't drinking U-Ban or anything at that time or Folgers. But anyways, I think I had to go to my parents and get a coffee can. Um, but there's a whole section at the beginning written by this woman named Carol somebody called The Work at Hand. And it just is like a 30-page essay on um, what it's like to, you know, live and work from home and really try to cultivate um, – a life where you were cooking from scratch and, you know, kind of a hand, the handmade life type thing. And also there's like these little snippets of uh, conversation from when they're writing the book and things like that. And it's just, I don't know, it's just one of those things that I have to reread every 10 years or so. And so I really have enjoyed that, which reminded me of another book that I have that I would like to read again called An Everlasting Meal by Tamar Adler. And she really advocates this approach. Um, you know, I'm very recipe oriented when I cook, when I meal plan. And, she, and Tamar, who really obviously is a real cook, she's not that way. And she really likes that the, the idea of the everlasting meal is that, let, let's just say you make some chicken and vegetables um, one night. And you might have a little bit of that left over that kind of goes into the next night's meal. And you just, you kind of do this whole um, thing where you, you know you're always using up your leftovers those little odds and ends in your next meal so it's just one meal flows into another that doesn't really work in our house because leftovers are gone by lunch <laughs> if I need leftovers for something I have to hide them in the outside fridge um, but it's still just this very um, I want to say organic um, free form way of, of approaching uh, feeding your family that I really enjoy so I want to I want to reread that one as well that's really about it on the on the book front and I also don't have a lot to talk about um, with TV shows or movies because we haven't watched any movies but I will say that last uh, episode I talked about uh, it was probably last episode talked about watching Hamilton that we got Disney plus for a month oh my goodness that reminds me I need to cancel that today <laughs> um, so we got Disney plus and we watched Hamilton as a family and we had the the subtitles on because, you know, there are a lot of people in that that didn't have the soundtrack memorized. <laughs> and um, and that was actually fun because, you know, I don't necessarily know every word. But I came away from that, even though I enjoyed it very much, I just kept thinking, okay, it's like, it's just not nearly as good as seeing it in person. And while that is obviously true, um, I wanted to watch it again before we uh, canceled Disney+. Plus. And um, so my daughter and I, who were the big fans, we watched it by ourselves without subtitles she was the same way she's like I want to watch without subtitles and I loved it so I think I'm we have subtitles on a lot in our house but it is 
a discipline to not just read the words on the screen and to forget to look at what's going on. And I think that's what really happened the first time I watched it. And so the second time, you know, I was really trying to absorb all the stuff that was going on on stage. There's so much fun stuff going on in the background on stage. So um, I loved it. I cried to the first, when I watched it the first time. Didn't cry. Totally cried twice during the rewatch. So um, yeah, it just it's. I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. But so we watched Hamilton. Loved it. And the other thing that I am obsessed with, and it'll probably be the only TV show I talk about for a while because it's got six seasons, is this. TV show and it's not new and people keep saying oh yeah I've watched that it's called A Place to Call Home Um, it's on Acorn it is a show out of Australia I think it started in like 2013 or something and someone described it I, I I posted about this in the Simple Handmade Everyday Facebook group I'm like I've got a new favorite show and so many people chimed in like this is my all time favorite show or you know people love it um and someone called it the Downton Abbey of Australia. <laughs> and I really, it's a very apt description. Um, though the the family, the sort of, I'm putting quotes, the royal family in this is, um, and they're not really royalty, they're just wealthy, um, is, is not quite as, uh, you know, it's not like Downton Abbey level. But um, here's the deal. And I, I actually said in that post that I, that it, I posted the trailer and said, this makes it seem soapier than it is. Well, I stand corrected. It's as soapy as you can get, but I'm still loving it. Um, so the, the, the general premise is, is there's this woman, Sarah, um, and she's the, the protagonist. And it all starts on this ship from um, England that's headed to Australia. And she's a nurse. She's working her passage. And she comes across this very wealthy family, the Bly family. And um, she needs to take care of the matriarch and, and some things happen. So she, she, she comes across this family on the ship. And, um, and then they get to Australia and they part ways. Things don't work out. And she reaches back out to that family uh, to, help, to help find employment. And then um, it, it kind of goes from there. And I never knew how much I would love a show set in Australia. The, the accents are so wonderful and sort of this sort of gentle, it's no Crocodile Dundee kind of accent, this very gentle Australian accent. And I love the scenery. Um, you know, in some ways, I think that it's not that much different from California where I live. And um, I, I don't know what to say without spoiling it, but I, I don't want any spoilers. But the that the twists and turns they just keep coming <laughs> you just when you think you kind of know where it's going it heads somewhere else there are six seasons of it and i cannot tell you how happy it is for me to have all of that ahead of me i'm in season two in the middle of season two right now and the season two takes on a little bit of a different storytelling style which surprised me which is pretty fun um and I'm just like totally binging it like I'm, while I'm watching lunch, while I'm sewing. That's a, it's like all I'm watching right now, like how I was with Doc Martin six months ago. Um, so anyways, it's called A Place to Call Home. I haven't heard anybody who didn't like it so far. A um, little soapy, but man, that will just uh, just sort of scratch that itch of a really fun story. Well, I just realized that this podcast is getting uh, long. So I had a few things to talk about in the homemaking category. But I might save some of those for next time. What I did want to talk about is last 
um, episode, I talked a lot about uh, Dara Thomason and the whole weight loss challenge that we did. And I got some response from that from some people. And I wanted to just pass some things on to you. Well, I said I would, as an accountability, I would talk about how I'm doing. Um, It's been almost five weeks ago now that I uh, gave up sugar and white flour. And I want to be pretty much perfect about that for at least six weeks. And then we'll kind of figure out how to, um, I'm not really planning on working those things back in my diet, you know, on a regular basis, but, um, you know, I'll kind of figure out how that will look going forward. Um, but I'm down a total of seven or eight pounds, um, only a pound or two since the last podcast, which was a little disappointing for me, but I'm just, I'm going to keep moving forward. So the, the plan basically is, um, three meals, no snacks, or two meals, no snacks, if you're doing the intermittent fasting version, which is what I'm doing. So I pretty much don't eat till lunch. I have lunch and dinner and um, fairly low carbish, you know, no sugar, no white flour. So that kind of limits things anyways. But um, I, I will say that my cravings are down. My hunger is down. It's not that hard to make those stretches as it was at the beginning. And as I was telling my daughter today, I think the biggest gift it has given me is um, freedom from thinking about food. All the little food chatter of, well, it's 10.30 and I'd kind of like to have a snack. So should I have a snack? Should I not have a snack? If I have a snack, should I be good? Should I be bad? What should I do? Um, Same thing, you know, in the afternoons, just like if you just go, no, I'm not doing that. um, Your body adjusts and your brain adjusts. So that's been pretty cool. So um, a lot of this all came up when, you know, we started talking about this and had our little five-day challenge with Dara. And I still encourage you to, she's doing this five-day challenge in some other groups and, and definitely find that she's wonderful. And um, even consider the, the one-on-one coaching with her if that is like, like the right choice for you. But if you're not really sure, and the whole thing sounds a little weird, I found this podcast. Again, it's like the, the law of attraction. It's like I started thinking this way. I found this podcast. The podcast recommended the book called The Obesity Code. I talked about that last week that explains all of this very clearly from a kind of scientific point of view. But the podcast is called, I'm not sure if I talked about this last week or not, but I'm going to tell you again. It's called Weight Loss for Busy Physicians, (laughs) which is a crazy name for a podcast. And I don't even know why I started listening to it. I really don't. But it's a great podcast and it doesn't matter if you're not a physician. She is a physician, the woman who does it. Her name's Katrina Ubell. And um, I think that she's just found her niche in helping doctors who have some um, different challenges for us in terms of like just schedules, how busy they are. Totally doesn't matter. I just ignore the parts where she talks about <laughs> Oh, well, you know, when you're doing your rounds or when you're at clinic, you just ignore that part because the information is fabulous. And if you want, I'll put a link in the show notes, but if you want a real synopsis of um, of how w- what I'm doing works, um, it's episode seven. Um, and it just made, it was kind of, it was a very eye-opening um, episode for me. So it's, it's the, the podcast has hundreds of, of episodes. So if you're going to listen to it, I recommend starting at the beginning, start at one, um, because that's where she kind of really explains what she's going for. So I just wanted to pass that on to you because I have found it really helpful. I have suggested this podcast to several friends in my life. um, And, uh, you know, just one of those things that I wanted to share. We'll get back to more homemaking things next week. But I did want to just kind of take you along on my weight loss journey um, for my own accountability. 
and uh, to hopefully, you know, get, get you thinking about issues like that because I know that it affects a lot of us. Before I go, I do want to thank a few people for um, leaving reviews. So Bev on Cape Cod, thank you so much. She is also a, Lu- a Louise Penny fan and has visited Quebec, and um, I'm so, so jealous about that. And also Linda Brammer, who... Um, also, like me, misses the fact that there used to be all these quilty podcasts. You know, there there was a time, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, where there were, I don't know, eight or 10 quilty podcasts. And, uh, you know, they've mostly gone by the wayside and we miss them. So just, you know, for the heck of it, let me just say that in addition to this quilty podcast, there's also My Creative Corner 3 by Vicky, um, The Off-Kilter Quilt by um, Francis, and I believe that Pam is doing some episodes now at Hip to Be a Square. They, uh, she was doing the, the TV show called The Stitch or the YouTube channel called The Stitch. I think they've closed that down, so she's back to podcasting. And I think that might be it for the homegrown ones. I mean, there's definitely the ones put out by magazines and things like that, but they have, uh, they're more interview-based and I think a little bit have a different uh, vibe to them. So thank you um, for spending this time with me. Thank you for leaving um, reviews. I so much appreciate it. It's so exciting when I see the new ones come in. And there's been quite a few new people uh, that have joined the Simple Handmade Everyday Facebook group. So you're welcome over there. Come join us. Um, Feel free to post. Share your quilting projects, your homemaking projects, whatever you would like. We just um, want to have a group of like-minded people that we can just kind of do life together. So um, I will see you next time. Thanks for being with me. You can find me online at my blog, Simple Handmade Every Day, on Instagram at Kristen Esser. And once again, please consider joining the Simple Handmade Every Day private Facebook group so that we can keep the conversation going. <laughs>